This is the Missio Savannah podcast, where we share about what God is doing in Savannah through mission and the testimony of Savannians. Leaving the prison system and integrating into regular everyday life is not an easy thing. We hear about recidivism and the challenges that people face coming out of incarceration all the time. Chatham Transitional Ministries is a ministry that reaches those individuals here in the Savannah area as they look to return to life on the other side of prison walls. In this episode, I get the chance to sit down with Lori Irish and Matt Coleman, uh, two individuals here in Savannah working with and spearheading Chatham Transitional Ministries. I know you're going to enjoy hearing more about Lori and Matt and their ministry here in Savannah. So here we are, uh, Lori Irish, Matt Coleman. We are sitting here in the IPC, Independent Presbyterian Church's uh, administrative building in a wonderful board setting. We're here to do an interview, so welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for uh, opening up your church home to, to me so that we could do this. And uh, Lori, we go back a long ways. We do. And so we have a little backstory to talk about testimony. I think I'm a little bit a part of your testimony, which is exciting. Matt, not, as, not so much, but uh, I've gotten to know you a little bit over the last year. So thank you for stepping in. All right. So we're here to talk about Chatham Transitional Ministries. So without further ado, Lori, for people in Savannah, Georgia, what do they need to know about Chatham Transitional Ministries? Well, at Chatham Transitional Ministries, we help folks that are either trapped by addiction or alcoholism or homelessness, just living life without God and hitting dead ends. And especially those coming out of incarceration that may have a criminal background, find it hard to find a job. We will find them that job. We supply them with everything that they need, bicycles, telephones, lunches to bring to work. I remember going to work and not having a lunch when I was in drug court. And that was a horrible feeling. So all the things that God let me experience, I get to help them avoid that so they can just concentrate on rebuilding their life. We've had seven people become homeowners, and that is our goal. Um, learning to manage our money, financial, any financial uh, challenges that we might have through Christ. We use the Crown Financial Guide, which was graciously boxes of them donated to us. Um, other than that, I mean, I have a testimony. Is well, you don't have to get to every. So we're just we're talking right so now. Much we're opening. We we're opening on tra- Chatham Transitional Ministries. So what I'm hearing is, Chatham Transitional Ministries is there to provide a holistic yet Christian, you know, uh, opportunity for people to get their lives sorted out from the smallest thing to the biggest thing. The biggest thing being Jesus, but from home ownership to figuring out where to get some basic needs when you come right out of jail you come alongside people and are just there to minister to them across the board financially spiritually all sorts of things right 99.9 percent of the criminal backgrounds come from drug use or alcoholism and we need a higher power to get sober and stay sober and the only higher power that can keep us sober is jesus christ there is no other we don't have in our ministry time for lampshades or doorknobs. Right. So you, um, you are just one of these people 
that you're just the Energizer Bunny, right? You're one of these people. Everybody um, knows you. You just go, go, go. Right. So you, what a typical day for Lori Irish is what? Well, it all depends on which day it is. Uh, Tuesday is probably my busiest day, so I'll start out by making some phone calls, maybe preparing, like if we have to help someone with their driver's license or a job interview or an application, set up those things, and then we go to Bible study and lunch at Calvary Baptist Church. I pick them up in our 15-passenger van. After that, we will take care of what we need to do along the way, what could be a birth certificate, driver's license, just to see what they need to do. We'll get a printout to start working on that. It could be a number of things. Um, a bank account. Uh, we open our bank accounts, checking savings, a secured credit card so they can build their credit after hearing the, God of wor- uh, the Word of God. And then we'll go pick up for our dinner and bowling league so it's a really busy day and i don't get home probably till around quarter to ten so where do you bowl in pooler where no where? we bowl in savannah where's pooler the bo- would be too far tibet and we bowl at seven o'clock anybody's welcome to stop in and it's a league but we always have an extra spot excellent and this is happening but once a week how often is your once bowling? a week we've what's been bowling bo- night for you guys Bowling night is Tuesday night at 7 o'clock we start, but it's good to be there at 6.45, and we've been doing it for about 12 years now. Awesome. Every week. Now, you are not an ordained minister, correct? I am not. But you're sitting next to one, right? <laughs> I Matt, am. Matt is an ordained minister. So, Matt, uh, give us a sense on the pastoral ministry side of what, what your role is with Chatham Transitional. Well, it kind of comes from having worked in the jail, um, with a lot of these guys, some of the guys we, we used to just send people to Lori directly. Um, I worked with uh, Coastal Jail Ministries of Georgia, a bit of ministry that had been in the jail for about 30 years. I was there for 10 of that, started in 2013. Um, they, what we would do there was teach the scriptures, uh, expository Bible teaching. They would get it three to four times a day, uh, a couple hours each. Um, just depending uh, on how the day went. But we would teach every day. It was consistent. Uh, we would also counsel, um, uh, neuthetic counseling, I think is the old term, but just biblical counseling. We figured that we know that everything um, that people need for living, for recovering, for all of that, like Lori said, is found in Scripture, in the Word of God. So we counseled directly from the Bible. And um, we, having worked in that for 10 years, I'm now bringing this over to uh, Chatham Transitional. So I'm basically doing everything we did in the jail, plus more, right? Uh, I always used to tell people that we introduce men and women to Jesus Christ in the jail, and then we show them Christ uh, with the transitional ministry. And um, Lori used to be a part of our organization, and um, she was the other half of it. But she got so successful with this ministry and so busy with it that she had to branch off and become her own entity. Uh, with Chatham Transitional. So this is a classic sort of uh, kingdom life cycle. So you're at, you're over there mm-hmm. at Coastal Jail Ministries. Mm-hmm. That's what you're doing. Lori starts off over there as well. You're there for 10 years. And then those doors close for you, but it happens that Lori has gone off and done her thing with Chatham Transitional. And it's so successful that she needs you and you find yourself working with her on the other side. So right. That's, yep. That's the way God works. Isn't it? Building a kingdom. That's right. Now, uh, this interesting, how many, how many reunions have you had with your Chatham, Chatham Transitional Ministry people, with people that you were ministering to in the jail? Um, <clears throat> with this group, we've kind of got a, a, a new group. I'm not sure. Most of the, what's the 
I think we've got a couple of guys that have been here the longest right now with this group. I'm not sure how many years, but um, I, I, I knew them because they, you know, the Bible study on Sunday afternoon at IPC, we all have dinner together at night, you know, after service. So I kind of knew some of them from that. Um, so maybe one or two, but um, we did before that, definitely. I mean, we had guys that were coming straight out and coming here and doing well. And some of those guys have gone on and moved off and um, have families and careers now and are doing very well. Then do you have a, a weekly Bible study, daily Bible study, prayer? What does your sort of pastoral schedule look like? Well, um, right now, before I came in, <laughs> we have uh, we do uh, a Monday night um, sort of Bible study, recovery study, um, and we have a meeting, and we do that Monday night in Thunderbolt, and then Tuesday, like Lori said, the we bowling. have the, yeah. well, we have the Calvary Bible study at lunchtime because a lot of the guys are working nights, you know, okay. can't come, so they come for the other mm -hmm. ones. But we require them to come to at least at least once yeah. a week yeah. and the recovery meeting, right? So in order to bowl or just in order no, to be a part of the program, program. <laughs> so that we can financially help. We want to see them doing better. Exactly, we want to see consistency. Yeah, get in the game. Yeah, right. So that'll be it. And then on Tuesdays for the next, I think in April and May, I'm going to be having the, uh, I'll have those Bible studies, all of those. And we'll be talking about, uh, we'll be doing James chapter 2, 1 through 9 on one of them. And we'll do Philippians 4. James, good, solid, practical theology. Yeah, and Philippians, about, some good help, some good uh, hopeful stuff. Right, one on anxiety, right? One on anxiety, one on trials and tribulations and how to deal with them uh, in a godly manner. So those are all things that I thought were uh, were beneficial in the jail. We taught on those a lot. But um, and then Wednesday night we go to Ferguson Avenue Baptist Church uh, for their regular weekly Bible study and dinner, and we're there with them. So they're getting fed both <laughs> physically and spiritually all during the week. So your whole crew is going over there and Wednesday nighting yep. at at Fab as yep. like a short short for that's right Ferguson. Fab Church. That's okay. right. And they are. They're great. And they've been very supportive of both ministries for many, many years. Uh, Bob Demet was actually a chaplain out at the jail for the longest time. And uh, he's been very, very supportive of us and what we do. So, you know, it sounds like on the streets, you guys are, are out here real, real Baptist. Of course, Baptist is, you know, it's a really good denomination for this kind of ministry because you've just, it's such a focus on that radical coming in and getting, getting, the, getting baptized that sort of believer baptism, adult, is part of their thing. Now, you know, I'm an Anglican, so you're here Presbyterian. We're Presbyterian. So here we, you know, we, we, we get our babies wet, as they say. But so how does that how does that work? I mean, in terms of what is your approach, sort of ecumenically, as as Chatham Transitional Ministries, and you're sort of housed here at IPC, but when you are reaching out to others, mm -hmm. you know, how do you how do you how do you play that, not play that game, but how do you walk that walk in terms of different denominations and how you, you direct people to different churches? Yeah, Lori. I can answer that question. We use these different churches so that they can find a church home because that's our main goal is to get them into the family of Christ. So we have IPC, which is very formal, but they're so loving, the most loving people on the planet. Mm -hmm. And then we have uh, Pastor Bob, and he's, he's reformed. He teaches solid teachings. Right. And also we go to Calvary, which we have other teachers come in. Um, we do have some Calvary volunteers here and there, and of course they let us use their facility, but we want to open it up so that they have an opportunity to see good, strong teaching usually reformed and keep them involved and let them choose where they're more comfortable and give them options for a church home. 
Right, right. I, and I think, too, the way we did it uh, in both ministries, actually, um, definitely in Coastal Jail, we made it a non-denominational, the, 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 the ministry itself, right? Right. Because we had over 100 volunteers that were coming in every week to do Bible studies, right? And I think the way we did it there and the way we do it here is we're not trying to um, guide them to one church or the other. We're not saying you have to go here, right? Yeah. Like Lori said, we're showing them options. But I think the criteria we use is um, first-tier issues versus, like, third-tier issues, right? Like, end times beliefs. I mean, there are people that goes all over the place, right? Eschatology. But here we're looking at um, salvation. What do they believe about salvation? That is the main issue, right? right. And so we try to keep that the main thing. And um, the people that we have teaching, the people, that, the churches that that, that – help us, the churches that sponsor us, the churches that give to us. Um, we try to keep all of that as a as a you know a common thing because if they go what we want is a consistency. What they hear here at IPC, they will hear at Ferguson about salvation, they will hear at Christchurch, they will hear at whatever. This is how you must be saved, right? There yes. is no other name under heaven. Right, right. Yeah. Well I mean it's just it's exciting to me always to see uh, these these real, you know Ecumenical partnerships. I just—it's exciting when I see Savannah coming together across denominations for for a bigger cause. And I think things like this, where you really are partnering in a real way, is just exciting because the kingdom needs to be bigger than you know whatever churches' doors and windows are. You know, it needs to it needs to spread out. So it's exciting that you're doing that kind of work in this community. I know Savannah is benefiting from it. So um, I guess before we get to I want to. Get, I wanted to get into testimonies. I also, while they're still listening, because they're going to listen to a testimony. Testimony is great. So people that are listening right now, you need to hear. I mean, I know Matt. I'm sure Matt's got a great testimony. I know Lori's got the the rock star testimony. So yep. We're going to get to that. <laughs> but I want to just give you a chance to talk about the way that people in the community can plug in and help mm-hmm. Chatham Transitional Ministry. Now, I know one thing is just financial need. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, ministry needs some financial support. You guys, this is what you guys are doing full time. You're dependent on. The, the care and love of others that want to say, hey, we want to support this ministry. We want you to be able to reach people, and we're going to support you financially. Outside of financial uh, support, what are other ways that people can come alongside uh, this ministry and, and help it uh, serve people in Savannah? Well, attending our Bible studies or just bowling with them, showing them, like we had um, retired police officers come bowling. There's a fear and then it grows to callousness against the police officers or firefighters or any type of authority. But when you're bowling with them and you're trying to beat them, they become friends. You, you know, it's, it's competitive. But then you lose that fear and you see a real person under that uniform. So that's a big part of it. And um, also, just back to the financial a little bit, we really concentrate on providing what they need so they don't stick out as the homeless guy or the addict or they might need a haircut or they might need a bicycle to get the last part to work. They might need a cell phone, especially we provide the lunches, the bus passes. So we do everything so that until they get paid and then we help them budget their money. So Now, Lori, I saw your office is full of neckties. Right, it is. I, I, have, <laughs> uh, I have suits. And, and you'd be surprised. You, you wouldn't think that 
they're interested in jumping right into a suit. But once they once they attend a service and the next week they show up in a suit and tie, I mean, it does something yeah. for a guy. Now, me and Matt, we need we need lessons on how to tie a bow tie. Yeah, <laughs> we don't know. I, I don't saw either. you had bow. There's so, some. So, down that's there. why there's so many bow ties there because nobody can, knows how to tie them. I can run up to the office and ask Pastor Terry or Josh or. You know, will you show this young man? So, so things like that for volunteers that well, want to curious, come help us. I'm curious, Lori, who is the bow tie expert at IPC among the staff? I would say staff? David, I, well, I among Evan. the elders, it would be David Goble. And he's saying Evan, Evan, Evan Gear. Evan Gear well, can Evan tie Gere, tie. Among the pastors, yes. But yes. the, the most architect. expert, David Goble, yeah, and he's a SCAD professor. Yeah. But yeah, David Goble. He's a great he's the Yoda of bow ties. <laughs> yes. Well I need to I need to set up a time to meet with David so that I can you know, and you can change your whole identity when you become a bow tie wearer. Yeah. You're, yes. The whole way you yes. present and society the, changes, you become the bow tie guy. Like that's like, right, and people remember you. So you're saying what you need is is resources in order to to, to, to provide people with what they need beyond just y'all having the, the, the salaries to be paid to take care of people. You need to have those resources oh, yeah. to make difference in their lives. Most of our money goes to help them. I remember when I first started, um, I was in drug court. And when I first started this ministry, I wrote my Bible, please God, help me to help them. Awesome. Because I remember going through all of that. Where did you write that in your Bible? Which book of the Bible? Or did you, do you remember where it was? The front? I think it was in John. In John. Cool. Yep. All right. So with that, you you are speaking of transitions. You have just transitioned to yeah. your to your testimony, Lori. Right. So now <laughs> I would like to continue. If it's okay. <laughs> so let's let's hear it. Let's hear about what Jesus did in the life of Lori Irish, <clears throat> and here at IPC, right? A miserable offender and miserable. beloved by God. So let's let's hear about it. I, I've been loved by God all my life, and and I just started down the wrong track. Actually, I had never been in trouble before, and I was in Key West with, with my boyfriend, and I won't mention his name, but he had uh, identity theft, and he had we were homeless at the time. We had just got down there, had a big tent and everything, and he had all these IDs and checks and stuff under our tent. I did get a forgery charge because he asked me to sign something, so I did. And I and don't think that I'm innocent because I knew what he was doing. I just didn't know to the extent. So we got arrested and brought to jail, and they let him go on house arrest. We didn't have a house. We were living in a tent. Yeah. Of course, he took off, and so I was facing all those charges. And I'd never been in trouble before, but I had been addicted. So, you know, God knew this plan from the day I was born or even before. Mm -hmm. So he brought me through every kind of probation. I mean, even wearing the ankle monitor, all of it. And then um, I went to prison. I, they told me that I wouldn't be going to prison. You've never been in trouble before. Um, so I, I told my father, no, we don't need to pay a lawyer. I'm going to come home on probation. I'm going to live with you. I'm, and I wanted to be better. And of course, I clung to my Bible. My Bible studies every time I got locked up. And so I ended up getting sentenced to prison, and I don't remember two days of my life. I mean, I was completely out for two days, don't remember. Mm. I, and they put me in maximum security prison because I was minimum security and I could work outside the gate. So I'm bringing cleaning materials, which they call caustics, into death row. I mean, God let me see the hell of prison. And it's an upside-down world. It's a city of its own. 
everything the wrong way. I mean, it was just horrible. But there was still God. There was still Bible studies. And I remember going to one, and I was scared to death. And a lot of black folks down there, and, I, and I'm from New England, so I didn't know how wonderful they could be. And I made a friend called, and she called herself Black Pearl, and she taught me this beautiful um, traditional song. So when we were, we were getting ready to go to Bible study and then out to where you, the, um, the canteen where you get to buy yourself, and they were pushing me all around and stuff because I'm small and everything. I, it's still pretty tough, but um, somebody started singing. I started belting out that song because I can sing and play guitar and stuff. And then they started singing with me, and we got really, really close. So we had a church family inside this mixed-up world. Yeah. And they were, we just, we loved studying together. We loved singing together. And so I got to be a part of that community, and I got to love people I wasn't used to. And where was, the, which prison was this that you were in? Um, I went to all three maximum security prisons in the state of Florida. Oh. So this one happened to be in Ocala. Because they would transfer, wherever they needed folks to work outside the gate, they would transfer. Okay. Yeah. So, um, anyway, that was a great experience for me. And I started looking at these women, and there was one young red-haired girl, and she was just off the chain, bouncing all around, and we got her to come to Bible study with us. So I'm thinking, what a powerful weapon for God she would be. So God was in my heart and my mind, but I just couldn't seem to get it together. But see, God wasn't done with me yet. I still had to go on the ankle bracelet. I still had to report to probation. So um, I got out. I'm still messing up a bit. That's when I got on the ankle bracelet. They put me back in for the same charge. They said, oh, no, it's not a catch-22. It's called a Nathaniel Green case. Okay. They put me back in. All three prisons so you did again. The, oh, this was federal. You did federal time mm -mm. twice? State. State time both times. Both times. Same charge. Okay. So anyway, but see, this is God's plan. Because yeah. I, I didn't know every angle of the people I would be helping, what they would be feel, facing and how it made them feel less than, um, looked over, not worth it. And so, but he never let me feel that way. He wanted me to experience it. He wanted me to experience how low you can go and how you can climb back out. Wow. So I had to be kind of on the outside looking in. And that's how I explained it to Judge Bass in drug court. I'll get to that part in a minute. <laughs> um, anyway, so um, I went back and I started, you know, trying to memorize. I got this, while, while I was waiting to go to prison, I got this wonderful Bible, study Bible, from Bible study in the county jail. Okay. And so I, I just got to this one psalm, and it was me. It was Psalm 142. You know, the prosecution and all of that. And so I wanted to memorize that. And I worked on it every day, every day. I'm supposed to be there for another two years. And I was there almost four months to the day. And the first day I was carrying the stuff up to the gate. So I go load in the van and go work into town. And I remembered the whole thing without having to look at the words. And I was just lifted. I did it. And then they called my name over the loudspeaker. And they made me lug all that stuff all the way back down, which was quite a walk, like a half a mile, because it's huge. The prisons are big. And so I went down there and told me to pack it up that I was leaving. And they gave me 180 bucks, and they sent me on a bus. <laughs> and so anyway, I, and I faced challenges on the way home from prison. 
So um, the bus driver tried to get me to sleep in a hotel with him overnight that they would be held over in Ocala because uh-huh. I'm coming from Jefferson now, from uh, almost by the Georgia line. And so I called my mom and dad and I said, please come get me. And yeah. they did. They drove all the way up there. and they From come New England? Back. No, from, they were living in Florida by okay. now. Okay. But right. from Vermont. But right. um, yeah, we had moved to Florida. My father had a couple businesses down there. So they, they did. They come and got me in the middle of the night out of this bus station. I, I mean, I've been in prison twice and you'd think I wouldn't be so frightened, but it, it was horrible, yeah. you know. And then this guy targeted me. So anyway, I still end up with the wrong guy and got in trouble again. I, did, I um, tested dirty on a, I was smoking marijuana and I tested dirty on a urinalysis from my probation, my parole officer. See, I did everything, even parole. And he come by, so um, by then I left and I went to Georgia after that. I mean, I finished out, I, I got caught doing that. I had to do a whole bunch of stuff. I went back into county for a little bit, and then I was done. I went to West Palm first. I was released into West Palm for work, to be able to work and try to make some money. I got in a little trouble there, too. Took off to Georgia with my now husband. Jim. Jim. Yes. yes. Your friend. That's how <laughs> I met friend, you. Yeah, this is client, where you right. come in. So, um, yeah, Jim. And so um, came to Georgia, got in trouble again. I'm skipping over a few years. <laughs> Uh, we moved out to Newington, and um, I'm I'm still on probation, so I I'm trying. So to you get, know, you just know firsthand. Once you get into the mall, once you're, once you're the in system, the system, they don't let you go. You just can't get. I away. mean, you you, you can, can, but it's so hard. It is very hard, and to have us as guiding you through and what to do and how to handle it is so beneficial for these folks. Anyway, so we're living in Newington in Scriven County, Georgia, and I want my driver's license. So they said, well, go down here and go to the library and get your voter registration card. And I said, really? He goes, yeah, we can use that. So I go over there, and they give me this moral turpitude thing, and I have no idea what that means. And I didn't do anything horrible. I didn't kill anybody. I didn't hurt nobody. No sexual charges, no gun charges, nothing like that. All, all drugs. And so um, I found it. And so I get my voter registration, I get my driver's license, and like eight weeks later, I'm in 10 o'clock at night, I'm in my nightgown and socks, and they roll up on my house and arrest me in front of my kids and everything for registering to vote. I get to the jail in Sylvania, which is 13 miles away, and he lets me go. He says, I've never heard of such a thing. And I let him know that I was on probation and this and that, so he just, the sheriff just let me go. I said, well, thank goodness that's over with. Two days later, again, 10.30 at night this time, in my pajamas, they <laughs> roll up and arrest me again for the same thing. And that's when they wouldn't let me go. And my husband, Jim, called you, please. And you did. You come and got me. You got the magistrate to come to the jail. I don't know how you did it. It was after hours. I don't know how all that worked out, but you did it, and you got me free. And then I had to face Judge Pete. So we did that for a little bit, and um, you you went on missions, I believe. Yeah. And so um, they did agree, because you helping me, to bring it down to a misdemeanor charge, because it was a total misunderstanding. I didn't want to, I was done being in trouble. Yeah. And so they did that. They did bring it down to a misdemeanor, but they gave me felony probation. 
So I'm moving back to Savannah. They banned me from Scriven County for a year. I said, that's fine. <laughs> but we still had property, so, you know, oh, my goodness. So anyway, I get I into trouble one more time. I get picked up by the cops, and so that, that breaks the probation. Right. So um, uh, we had a gas can in our hand, and we were trying to get gas because we were parked down here. I got in trouble for panhandling. Now, you see them all over nowadays. So they let me go right away, but it broke the probation. So um, I get... I'm getting going. this straight here, Lori. Basically, you were in a tent that had checks underneath it. That got Somebody got you and, to sign and it. And credit cards. And credit cards. Then you, you try to vote, and, and you don't fill out the moral, ter moral turpitude thing right. And then you try to ask some people to help you give you some money. And because of all that, you've been... How much time have you spent in jail and on probation oh, in your Lord life? Oh, Lord have mercy. Um, well, I got released from prison at um, nine months and then released for a year and two months. So, and then jail time. I did six months in Charlotte County um, and then just, and six months in Chatham, but I did other little stints, like a few days a week yeah. until I got a court date. But in and out, That's in amazing. and out for years. I was addicted for 28 years. I didn't get sober until I was 48. So anyway, getting this is the last part of it. I get in trouble once again, the probation thing, and I get I'm either going back to prison because I've been in trouble so much, or I'm gonna go into drug court. And they're saying, oh, everybody's, you know, there's always jailhouse lawyers. They say, don't go to drug court, it's hard. Well, I thought I could slide on through. You know, I knew everything by now. And so um, I said, yeah, I want drug court. Judge Bass let me in, I had to go in front of him. He is such a dear man, but you know, I thought I was just sailing through and then Judge Bass, um, I was on honor roll every week, and he said, um, you're not on honor roll anymore. And I was devastated. <laughs> I mean, he says, you have an ego problem. Wow. And he was right. Wow. So that's when I found IPC. I've started coming to this Bible study for Coastal Jail. Mr. Ron Berry and Mr. Dale Gibson started it. And they were come to drug court, and they, they uh, started offering jobs and stuff of course they'd never been in trouble they do not have one's a lawyer and one worked in steel I think mm -hmm. and so um, they'd never been in trouble they had no idea how to get a job with a criminal background and I'm sitting over in the corner you know paying attention because I really want a church home and they notice because I'm coming to the Bible studies I'm bringing people I'm making two and three trips to get people this Bible study this is going to help you and there's no jobs coming and I had three jobs and I would sit at people's doorsteps, Liberty Tax. I was holding the sign in a little suit. No, I wouldn't. And I'd go there every day until they hired me. And they did. They finally gave me a chance. I ended up being the um, marketing director for all five stores. Wow. See, I started doing the right thing. And God said, you're on the right track. But still, I wanted to make this service. So I'm working there. I'm working at La Quinta. And I'm working at the pizza place, delivering pizza. So I... I uh, back then, it was after the church service, so I'd make it to the church service, and I wanted to make it to the church service because I've been coming to Bible study, and I wanted to see what the inside of that big, beautiful church looked like, and I wanted to hear God's word from a preacher. So I was soaked to the skin. It was raining. I'm at the bus stop with a member, did not know, told him about the Bible study, told him how I wanted to be a part of it. You know, I would like to be able to do that. 
And so I, and by the time I get here, I forgot to take, I was in such a rush, I had all the soaps and shampoos still in my pockets. So I'm soaked to the skin with these two large bumps like this. <laughs> and I walked into those doors and they handed me paper towels. Mr. and Mrs. Gibson had me sit with them and their family for I don't know how long, but they welcomed me and they loved me from the minute I got there. But when I walked through those doors, it was like, boom, and God let me know this is where you belong. It's been that way. He would let me know this is where you belong. This is what you've been doing this for. So then they asked me to work for the ministry, and it was part time. I already have a bunch of jobs, so I'm fine with that. And I was, you know, another boom. I could just feel it rush over me. This is where you're supposed to be, and that's been my life ever since. And I love it. I love this ministry. I love the people. You know, we're just broken. But if somebody takes the time to show us Jesus, you know, life can be better. And we can share. We've gotten people with get their custody of their children back. That's happened a lot lately. You know, they're, they've taken away from them, put in foster homes. But we've got three families that are, are whole again. Mm-hmm. We had one family that's engaged because they weren't married with their children. And they're looking for a church home in Statesboro. He just went home. He regained everything. There's just so much I could tell you. I mean, we know God uses people. He uses everything. But with you, man, he really went above and beyond. Well, see, I was a hardhead, though. (laughs) I was a hardhead. I didn't, I knew everything. And I, when I was out on the streets, you know, selling dope, I was tough. Yeah. I mean, if you owed me money, I had a tire iron in my sleeve. I bust your headlights out. I mean, I was such a hardhead. I remember you were. T- I was like, I was like, Jim, this person. And I played tough. guitar. Yeah, yeah. I wore spurs on my cowboy boots. I did, <laughs> but you know, God had, and, and those are the kind of people. Look at the disciples. Yeah. Those are the kind of people God wants. Those are the kind of people God loves. The ones that usual people or normal people just kind of look over mm-hmm. as they're walking by. Mm-hmm. You didn't look over me because I was a loud mouth. I mean, I was just, but you know. I was one of those persons you didn't want to be around. I think that's so cool, too, that Judge Bass, I mean, you, you know, there's things judges are supposed to do. Uh, and, of course, he's, you know, he's retired from being on the bench full yeah. time. I don't know if he comes back. But, you know, he's a man with a lot of wisdom. I saw him handle a lot of situations just with wisdom as opposed to just yes. whatever the... He really and, cares about us. He really cares. Yeah, he really cares about you guys. And, he, you know, but he's also tough. I mean, he demonstrates that. He's a he's in terms of a judge that demonstrates tough love. He really had a gift for that, where he yeah. he would make decisions that were tough, but really in the best interest of of people. At the and same when time. we did well, he would take us out to a restaurant and let us know that we did well. Yeah, he's a real. And then he opened his doors for the for the transitional ministry. He's a real gift to this uh, county. We were he fortunate sure to have him as a judge as long as we did. Sure is. I could call him whenever I needed him. Well, Matt. You know that's 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 a tall order. <laughs> it's a tough act. To it's follow. a tough act to follow, but it, it just gives you a little chance to share your own your own testimony and how God has used you. Wow. Yeah, Lori's is a is a rock star testimony. If she's if she's Jimi Hendrix. I'm more Neil Sedaka probably. <laughs> but uh, I um I grew up in a Christian family. I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, I grew up here in Savannah. Uh, we were members at. Um, Hall Memorial Presbyterian, which is the new Christchurch, the new Christchurch Anglican, the same building. I think it's been a couple of things in between, 
but that was my family church. We all grew up in it. Both sides of my family went to that church. Um, uh, my dad was, worked for the Corps of Engineers, so we moved away and couldn't find another good um, PCA church to go to. Uh, so we ended up going to a Reformed Baptist church. Um, <clears throat> but um, that was kind of my thing, and I was you know, saved when I was 15 years old. I mean, I, and I believed it. I knew that I was. Um, I never had any addictions or anything like that. I think the problem was is when I was in my 20s, like a lot of kids, they walk away from right. They walk away from the faith, or they just don't live it, and that was my problem. My early twenties, my fifty-year-old self would not like my twenty-five-year-old self. Right, it would be probably very irritated with my twenty-five-year-old self now. And did you do any form of ministry other than prison ministry? Was that your first? No, sort that of was my first day? foray into it. Um, I, uh, I went and got um, an English degree uh, from UNC Chapel Hill. And then found out that I then needed, I wanted to teach, obviously teach college. And that was right on the cusp of when you began to have to um, have a master's to even have a hope of that. Did you get to take a class from Shelby Foote when you were over I there? I did not, but I did see Andy Griffith's grave, which okay. is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, he's buried there. Charles Corral, too. Yeah. Um, but um, so anyway, moved back to Savannah in 98. Uh, got a job with a library, which is right next door to Christchurch Anglican. Um uh, long story short, they refurbished the place. They had to let a lot of people go because they went over budget. Last one hired, first one fired. That was me. Um, I had uh, many things uh, going on at the time, trying to figure out what I was going to do. Um, but I eventually uh, I went to work as a manager for Barnes & Noble. When they opened up, I uh, worked for them for a good long time. Um, had, a, had a good friend of mine there. Uh, we knew each other for several years. He was going to SCAD. Um, and then one Thanksgiving, I met his sister, and uh, we've been married 17 years this year. So, um, all during that time, though, I was I was trying to uh, God was drawing me back into it. Before mm-hmm. that, before I met my wife, before I met my friend, before I even moved back, um, drawing me back to him. And I always used to tell the guys um, in the jail, uh, it's like when you go to the beach. Our relationship with God, God, God never leaves us, right? We're the ones that walk away. Um, when you go to the beach and you put your stuff down and you go out and get in the water um, and you play out there for an hour and you're having a good time and feeling good and then you look up and your stuff's gone. And you're like, oh man, somebody stole my stuff, right? And then you look about 50, 60 yards down the beach and you're like, oh no, there it is. Right, tides just moving. I moved. Yeah. <laughs> my stuff didn't move, right? Yeah. God doesn't move. He stays where he is all the time because he's everywhere. We move. We move away from God, and depending on the on the rip currents, you you move a lot. Um, that's a good way to put it. Rip current. And that, and that was me. I mean, that's what I had done. I I, I think my like I said, I, I think that's probably the testimony of a lot of guys. But God was bringing me back to it. And one of the main ways He did it was um, uh, through reading. Um, well, obviously through a lot of mentors, Bob Demet being one of them, um, uh, Francis Schaefer. I'm a huge Francis Schaeffer fan because Francis Schaeffer spoke in such a way that he built on this is why we believe what we believe, right? Epistemology. This is how, this is what we believe and this is why we believe what we believe. The whole Christian worldview. And that really turned me around and brought me back to God and I repented of my life and the way it had been. And just. He's good about sort of the compartmentalization. I mean, mm -hmm. Schaeffer is going to take you into. Oh, sure. You really need to be fully engaged, you know, fully Christian about all things, and yes, you know, don't it, just put God in a box. Exactly, you know? and that's what we teach people in the in the transitional ministry. That's what we taught them in the jail ministry. 
Christianity touches every facet of your life. And when, when the secular world tries to tell you that you need to keep your faith separate from government, separate from business, separate from school, separate from everything, it's insane. God says it should touch every facet of our lives. That's the kingdom. And um, so we should bring that. We, we need more Christian government employees. We need more Christian um, teachers and, and, and educators and businessmen. We need more of that. Why would we want less of that? So um, people right now in terms of uh, what's happened in the jail, because you're not in the jail anymore. No. But I just, in terms of people getting the gospel, getting mm-hmm. good, sound doctrine and ministry in the jail what do people in savannah need to be praying for right now because right now you're not in that environment and i know it's an area of need what should we be praying for as to what's happening i think you need to pray number one uh for whoever comes in uh to be an expositional bible teacher somebody who is going to teach expositorily meaning verse by verse and teach through uh the bible god's word right And, and and explain it see that's that's the big thing um Expository teaching is when we go verse by verse and, and, and the pastor explains what these things mean. We get, we get that here. We have that at IPC. We, it, it's at Ferguson. It's at a lot of the churches that we go to, right? They're, they're, it's explained to us because you've got guys coming in or, or, that are in jail, first of all, like you're asking about. And then, of course, the guys coming out, they need that. The, the, the point was to introduce them to that kind of teaching, the explanation of God, right, who he is and who we are in relation to him. And what sin is. I mean, when I first started in May of 2012, 2012, it was the first eight weeks, the first two months, I preached on sin and what sin is. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't the most popular thing because nobody wants to hear that. They want their ears tickled. Uh, but, but guys were listening and they wanted to know if they had a problem, you know, they wanted to know about it. They, when you go to the doctor, you want to hear, this is one thing I would hope for whoever comes in there. That they teach about, that they teach sin, and they don't gloss over it, um, because you don't go to the doctor and with a really bad stomach pain, and the doctor says, "Oh no, 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 just take some Alka Seltzer, it's fine," you know, don't worry about it, and you've right. got a stomach tumor that's yeah. the size of a football, and it's not going anywhere. You want to know the worst, right. you want to hear it, so that you know what the problem is, and then that's when we give the gospel, which is the antidote to sin, right? the only antidote to sin. And so that's that's what I would hope for that, whatever ministry comes in there. Um, they're definitely going to be getting that here. All right, Lori. So I'm going to let you close us out with that, uh, that the word of God that helped get you through that you memorized when you were you were there in Florida in jail or in, I guess in prison. Right? I was in prison. In maximum yes. security prison. I was. <laughs> yes, so, I was. So let's, let's let you. Okay. It's a prayer for help in trouble. Psalm 142, I cry out with my voice to the Lord. With my voice, I implore the Lord for compassion. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare my trouble before him. When my spirit felt weak within me, you knew my path in the way where I walked. They have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see, for there is no one who regards me favorably. There is no escape for me. No one cares for my soul. I cry out to you, Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. I give your, give your attention to my cry, for I have been brought very low. Rescue me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring my soul out of prison, that I might give thanks to your name. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall look after me. 
Amen. Amen.